believe it or not, there's a storm coming. I don't know. Things like that happened to me in Shishmaref all the time. If you remember, I used to live in Alaska. I would want to go out on the tundra and explore and get water and do subsistence living stuff. And inevitably, one of those days when I would want to do that, I would get a call from my friend Dan Olana. Dan would call me and he would tell me, Pastor, stay in the village because there's going to be real whiteout today. That meant that a storm was coming. We're already there somewhere, and whiteout meant if you went out there on the tundra, everything was white and up and white and down and white in this way and that way, and you would be in a whiteout and lost. Directions didn't have any meaning. Now, I would look out the window, much like I did this morning, and go, mm, I don't know if I believe you or not. And sometimes it looked like a storm was coming, and it would be whiteout, and sometimes not. Regardless, when that exchange happened, I always had the same two issues, to believe Dan or to not believe Dan, or, and, to trust Dan or not trust Dan, one way or the other, believing required a certain intellectual agreement to look out the window and go, yes, I think a storm is coming too, I believe you. That's not really what trusting required, though, if you think about it. I could look out the window and not believe a storm was coming, but trust that Dan knows what he's talking about and stay home. Trust's a funny sort of thing like that. But is it actually a thing that you think about that you have or don't have, or is it a way of being? Now, you can disagree with me about my semantic exercise today, what these words mean. Either way, it's Dan's character that's at stake in this whole exchange. His level of care, concern, and love for me as his pastor. And friend, Dan, I hope you're watching. Thanks for taking care of me. He's in Shishmaref, so he could be. Do I dare to put my life in Dan's hands and give him power over the way I live, believing what he says or not? Belief, a noun. Believing a thing. Trust, a noun. Trusting, a thing. The context of our gospel today, John 3.16, you know that whole piece, but the, the context of it is that there's a person standing in front of Jesus, Nicodemus, if you remember. He's come at night. He's trying to figure out who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. Is this someone he can believe in or, or, or should he believe in him? What's this guy's deal? So Nicodemus is there at night in the dark knocking on the door, <clears throat> and Jesus is teaching him. He's teaching him about seeing God's kingdom in the world and being born anew in the world and that in order to see God's kingdom, you have to be born anew. But there's a man in front of him and he's in confusion and spiritual darkness wondering how this whole thing works and what Jesus is about. And we pick that story up today when Jesus moves from teaching about Nicodemus and life and he's starting to just talk. And he says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, if you go online or go anywhere that has language stuff and look up this verse in Greek, the word for believe is pistuo, and the definition is to believe or 
to entrust. For you wordsmiths out there and people that like stuff like that, those are radically different things if you draw back to my story. To believe or to entrust. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up. Do you remember that story? It's from Numbers 21. The Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness. God had heard their cry in Egypt, set them free, parted the Red Sea, given them water and given them food and the commandments and military victories and protection and their walking. But the people became impatient along the way. At least that's the physical translation. If you read deeper into the Hebrew and look at the words, the spiritual translation would be something like, but the people became filled with a desire to stop walking or living on this course of life, this way of being. And what was that way? Well, it was complete trust in God. Believing in Yahweh was one thing, and trusting your life to Yahweh was another. Oh, they believed. There was no doubt that Yahweh existed. Ten plagues, liberation, Red Sea, smoking mountains, pillars of fire, food, water, destruction of enemies and sometimes themselves. Yahweh existed. They believed that. The question was, are we going to continue to trust, to live and trust in this wilderness? Because if you're going to entrust your life to this God, then you had to adopt this God and this God's ways as your ways. And actually listen. You can start to see the problem. Being God's people who represented God in the world and revealed God's presence and action by trust meant you had to give God credit for everything that you were and was and will be. And if the people of God start to look like the people of some other God, God has a problem. It's why God cares. Why God cared what they did and how they lived and the character of their trust. God's reputation's at stake. And they complained and got tired of living this way of life. And so God sent serpents to bite the people and they would die. It's not a very nice story for those of us that like to think about God as loving and caring and merciful, but when you think about it deeper, the people started to complain then about the serpents, and since they believed that Yahweh existed but didn't trust him, they said, we're sorry we didn't trust you. And they repented and they asked God to take away the serpents, but God didn't do that. Instead, God told Moses to make a bronze snake and put it on a pole and lift it up in the middle of the village or the tent or the camp, as it were. Lift it high and whoever looks at it after getting bitten will live. Pay attention. God's proclamation was if you get bitten by a snake and you look at that snake on the pole you will live believing didn't matter intellectual yes wasn't necessary but trust was trusting god was necessary look at the snake and live if you were bitten by a snake and dying wouldn't you at least try that <laughs> 
Haven't you at least bring your infant child whose swollen snake bite arm is killing it and turn its face to look at that snake on the pole? Because that's what God said. Are the snakes a punishment or are they a means of teaching trust, a painful reminder that God can be trusted? That God cares about God's people, God's character, and the world. God's goal was to lead the people to trust in a way of entrusted living of their lives. Believe it or not, this was not God's command. Trust me was actually God's intent. Look at the snake and you'll live. It's interesting It's not how we work. God's doing the work there. Look, trust, and I'll give you life. Look, and I'll give you life. Their only job was to look, and then God proved faithful. I don't always like that. I I would rather have a nice measure of faith in my hand that I can hold on to and say, this is it, and it's growing and getting bigger, and I feel better about it. Make my belief stronger, Lord. Give me more faith, Lord. So that I can feel more assured, Lord. I hate to say it, God wasn't concerned with the Israelites' feelings. Just like Jesus wasn't concerned about Nicodemus' feelings, he wanted him to understand what God was about. That God wanted to save their lives, Nicodemus' life. That when we've been bitten by the ways of the world, the sneaky snake of sin has made us sick, disobedient, not trusting people, when we've become children of wrath. That means people who are willing to live in ways that hurt others so that we can have what we want. When we feel that we deserve condemnation or that we are judged unto death, God says you have life anyway. God's people were tired of living an entrusted life because they didn't have control. And they still were faced with an uncertain future. I'm tired too. Loving is hard. Setting ourselves aside is hard. Adopting God's character and nature in the world is a challenge. Trusting God's ways is hard because they are not our ways. Look at the snake and live. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. If believe and trust, pistuo, mean the same thing, listen. Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever trusts in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who trusts in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God didn't send 
the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who trust in him are not condemned. But those who don't trust are condemned already because they have not entrusted their life to the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the lights come into the world and people entrusted their lives to themselves rather than God and so they walked in darkness because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and don't come to the light so that their deeds may not be seen by others. But those who do what's true come to the light because they've entrusted their lives to God and it can be seen clearly that they're walking in God's ways. Does that sound different? It does, doesn't it? Somehow. I don't think we have to explain it even. When we come to Paul in Ephesians today, his goal isn't to say, trust or else. Fix your religion. Believe better. His goal is to invite you to sink deeper into God's love because God can be trusted. To let yourself fall down into the arms of Jesus more fully and rest in his promises. You were dead, but now you aren't, Paul says. Because God, who's rich in mercy out of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and brokenness, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. By grace, you've been saved. Through trust. Pistuo means faith, too. By grace, you've been saved through entrust. And this isn't your own doing. It is a gift of God. This is the gift Jesus is giving Nicodemus. And it's the gift he gives you. He's not trying to convince Nicodemus to believe that this is how you're getting saved or how you're being born anew. He's saying, I'm saving you. Trust me. I'm giving you new life. Walk in it. God's purpose isn't to condemn, but to save and show you the depth of God's great love and save the world. It's hard to believe. It's even harder to, to go, yes, that's how it works. It's because we're trapped by the world. I said it already, that snake bite of sin somehow has us. Living in a world where it's easier to live in darkness. To mask our power or our hunger for power behind good intentions, and, and we become people of wrath. This is what Jesus is talking about. Giving you new life amidst a broken world and the ways that we walk in it that are often not God's ways. Light has come and people love darkness so that they hide their work and their true motives. But God's motives are not hidden. They're lifted high on the cross to show you God's love. And so we need to think about our actions, about how you live, because you are living as a child of God, a Christian who claims the light. Yet if we don't want to live in the newness God give, gives you, we have a problem. If that's the case, then we should watch for the snake's effects the sinful bites way that our world and life is getting wrecked. Not so that we don't lose our salvation, we have that, but because the character of your life matters to God. And since none of us get it right, we have that beautiful promise. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who trusts in him 
entrusts their life to his love may not be destroyed, but may have eternal life. And so the Son of Man must be lifted up like Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. And so we look to the cross today. We look to the suffering and death of our Lord and Savior. We eat of his body and drink of his blood. We come to the bread and wine. We receive it and you will live